Welcome back to Ascense Theater Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we're in Hebrews chapter 11. It reads, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning the events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of the heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus made it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of a land from which they had gone out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents, because they saw that the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasure of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasure of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea, as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down, after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient, because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say, for time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. 
Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. So we jump in here to Hebrews 11. Many of you might recognize this from our time that we spent during our ASM Sunday evenings walking through Hebrews 11 through 13. And so hopefully some of this is review for you, but big picture what's happening is the author of Hebrews is focusing on showing how we are in a similar position as these individuals. He's been talking about how the Old Testament was pointing to the New Testament realities, and now he's going to talk about how the New Testament believers still have this forward-looking faith, just like the Old Testament believers did. He's putting us into the same boat to show how our faith is similar to those who came before us. We're looking for something in the future. Verse 13 through 14 really does a great job of summing that up for us, pointing us to the reality that all of these people died in faith, not receiving the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus made it clear that they are seeking a homeland. They're seeking this future promise, the future receiving of that promise that is not attained in their life. The same way that we seek an eternal life that comes when our life on this earth closes. So our faith is similar to the faith of these Old Testament saints that we read about. It points us to the fact that God will continue to be faithful to the people, to the promises that he's made that allow us to receive them because he doesn't change. He is capable of doing that, and he is faithful in all things. And that should be something that should be greatly encouraging to us as we walk through difficult situations. We don't have even a minute to spend on all of these people and the hardships that each one of them had while they were on earth. But the promise of their faith allowed them to continue to move forward, enduring suffering and affliction and all kinds of horrible things in their life because they knew that the light and momentary affliction that they experienced here on earth would not be significant in the grand scheme of the glories of the redemption that awaited for them in heaven. So they moved forward in faith living day by day with the promise that was in front of them. And that same promise lays before us now, that the God who is faithful to forgive and to save us is holding for us a promised future city that is our desired eternal destination. And he does that because of his faithfulness, because of the covenant that he's made with his people, and because his desire is to see us as people return to the place that we were created to be. And so he holds that place for us if we hold to the promise that we have been given. So the author of Hebrews shifts from contrasting the differences between the Old Testament individuals and those who he's writing to, to now comparing how they are the same as they are seeking to honor the same God, seeking the same faith, and seeking the same promise that is there. And so may we rest in the same hope and the same faith and the same promise that they do.
As far as a question from this passage, there's lots of different places we could look because there are so many different parts of the scriptures covered here in this chapter. We cover almost the entire Old Testament, plus some events that are not recorded there, but recorded in other places for us to look back on. But I'd like for us to focus in here on verse 23. It says here that Moses was saved because his parents saw that the child was beautiful. And so sometimes people will look at that and say, well, does that mean that he was just a pretty baby? Um, What would have happened if Moses looked ugly? Would his parents have not saved him? Was it because he was so cute that they just couldn't let him go? What is going on in this verse that makes it so that his parents keep him? First off, let's note that the faith that's displayed in this verse is the faith of Moses' parents, not Moses himself. But it starts by saying in verse 23, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden. It's not actually Moses' faith, but it's his parents' faith that is displayed here. But when we look at the word that's used here for beautiful, it's really a word that's used to contrast individuals who are from the city or the place of favor and the individuals who were in the country. So at that point in time, if you had a city dwelling job or if you had something that would take place within a large area of a metropolis, you would have generally not been a person who is outside all of the time being the day laborer. And so the skin of that individual would look differently. And this type of distinction would have continued up through the Middle Ages when people who were seen as fair-skinned were seen as very favorable because it showed that they weren't common laborers who were out doing all the work. They weren't dirtied by all of those different things. But Moses here is referred to as this individual who is who is favored or who is beautiful against the people who would have been those who would have been outside in the place that would have been the common place of work. And so when we think about that, it's basically the agrarian people versus these people in in the city, these people who are not needing to do those same common things. But when you think about this in the case of babies, there's not really going to be a difference between the babies who are out in the commonplace of the world and the babies who are born in the city. They're basically going to look exactly the same because nothing that would have been an actual distinction for them has occurred in their life. But instead, this is really saying that the child was favored. The child was chosen. The child was being prepared for a beautiful purpose of God. And so it is nothing to really do with the actual beauty of Moses, nothing to really do with the fact that, yes, he was a good-looking child, so we saved him. Had he not been, we wouldn't have. It's really focused on their understanding and their faith that God would use this person in a mighty way to help his people. Moses' parents knew that God had called them to obedience to his laws rather than the rest. So they stepped out in faith, trusting that God would continue to bless their faith and to see it expand to impact others. So it's important that we look at things like that so that we don't have a wrong interpretation of Scripture based upon our common use of the words that we see there. Sometimes those linguistic studies help us to understand that. This word that's used here is only used of Moses in the New Testament in this situation. It's not a common word. It's not something that we can draw from many passages from, but we can look at the other ways in which that word is used in other literature and throughout the ancient Near East times so that we can understand it in a greater sense. But many of the other times in this place, and especially in this chapter, when we're studying God's word, we need to go back and look at the Old Testament places that are spoken of to allow them to expand our understanding of what's happening here in Hebrews chapter 11 and why the author is using those things. So if your question is, 
about one of those Old Testament individuals, I encourage you to jump back there and look at those things. Read back through those passages. It's the same thing that Pastor Jeff does on Sunday mornings with us as he encourages us to look at these other verses that he gives us throughout his study that help us to explain and help us to understand how we can rightly see what the author is trying to communicate to us. So I encourage you to endeavor to that end as you study God's word, to curiously look at the different passages that we're looking at and to expand your understanding of what God's explaining to you through his scriptures by your study. As you do that today, know you are loved. You're-